The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Welcome, everybody. You might be listening live on 1150 AM KKNW in the Seattle area, or perhaps you're watching live on Transformation Talk Radio on Facebook or Christine Upchurch professional page on Facebook. Uh, you might be listening after the fact on one of the dozens of podcasts that ends up. Uh, whenever and wherever you're joining us from, we're very grateful to have you here. And I think you're going to be grateful as well. And uh, my cat, Indy, just made some sounds, so I think she's grateful that you're here as well. I'm looking forward to our conversation today with a guest that I, who I will introduce in a minute. Um, it's very interesting because she was mentored by one of the most high-profile, famous uh, CEOs ever. And she's moved on to share her wisdom that she got from that with others. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that and let her tell you about that. But first, I want to say hello to Benny Mathers at KKNW. Hi, Benny. Hi, Christine. Hope you're having a glorious day. Yeah, it, it's nice. Um, mm -hmm. I'm hoping for some sunshine, but I looked at the 10-day forecast here and it's not so look, looking so great for the Seattle area. Well, your smile can part those clouds. So you think about that one. <laughs> oh, thank you, Benny. <laughs> and good morning, Olivia. Good morning, Christine. Nice to have you here. And I know you're suffering through the, the rain as well. <laughs> you know, we're getting a little sunshine up here right now, but I don't trust it to last very long. So, Well, you know, I used to love it when I traveled around the world to teach because, you know, you get up above the clouds, you get sunshine into the airplane, you know, there was, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I miss, uh, I miss that. And uh, I'm hoping that we can get back to that normal sometime soon. I'm really happy to have our guest here today. Her name is, is Naz Beheshti. And she's the author of Pause, Breathe, Choose, Becoming the CEO of Your Wellbeing. She's an executive wellness coach, a speaker, Forbes contributor and CEO founder of Prananas, I love that, a corporate wellness company improving leadership effectiveness, employee engagement and well-being, company culture and business outcomes. Clients include Nike, JP Morgan, Chase, Omega Institute, UCSF, Columbia University and Stanford. Uh, she also co-founded Rise to Shine, a nonprofit organization helping to alleviate the suffering of young children in Haiti. She lives in New York City with her husband. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Naz Beheshti. Hi, Naz. Hi, Christine. I, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Oh, you pronounced it perfectly. Thank you. So I, I, I think it's really fascinating where you got your start. Can you share with our listeners um, about your experience with this very well-known CEO and you froze. I did not hear your last part. I just, uh, sorry. That, that's quite all right. Um, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about who it was who mentored you so early on and some of the things that you learned from him. So my first boss, a mentor, as you mentioned, it was Steve Jobs. And it was my first job out of college working at Apple as his executive assistant. So I really learned so much from him. Mostly it was him that inspired me to really um, follow my heart and pursue, discover first my passion and my purpose, and then not just discover it, but then pursue it. And I feel so fortunate and grateful to have found and pursued my passion and purpose and really live it every day because Oftentimes people find or um, are able to understand and know what their passion purpose is, but they don't pursue it. They don't do anything about it. But mm -hmm. Steve truly gave me the courage 
to follow my heart and intuition and start my own company in a nascent market um, and really think outside the box to be able to start my own company, Prananaz. So this sounds a little counterintuitive. You're working for somebody who probably really appreciates the job you're doing. Mm -hmm. And yet he's mentoring you to move on. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, you know, we, we, we have a certain perspective on Steve Jobs based on what we hear in the public eye, but you had personal interaction with him. Um, tell us a little bit about why he was supporting you in moving forward. Well, back then I didn't know what my purpose and passion was. So he wasn't actually telling me to move on. It was through his example of leading Apple with so much passion and purpose and saying uh -huh. all the time that, you know, the way you do great work is to love what you do. And he embodied, you know, how, how passion, passionate he was for building Apple to be the uh -huh. successful company that it is today. And he also um, taught me that being well is goes hand in hand with doing well because he really prioritized his self-care and mm -hmm. invested in his well-being so in order to be well or do well you need to be well and that is an, a really important lesson that he taught me and you know again that's that's another um counterintuitive thing for many people who are immersed in the so-called rat race you know they think they have to put in more hours they have to um, ignore aspects of their lives, including some of the, you know, the, the healthcare issues and. Oh, you cut out again. Alex, to move up the ladder. Sorry, keep freezing. You got cut out. I'm so sorry. Uh, Olivia, sorry, excuse me for a minute. Olivia, can you tell if it's at my end or hers? Um, it seems to be your internet that's pausing occasionally. Okay. Um, I tell you what, let's go to a quick break. I'm going to, I'm going to get out and, and get onto a different internet and, uh, log back in because, um, it's really important that we can hear each other and everybody else can hear us too. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am. It can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back, everybody. Um, hopefully, we won't have any more technology issues. I'm talking to Naz Beheshti. She's the author of Pause, Breathe, Choose. Now, Naz... We were talking about many people's perspective on how you succeed. You put in really long hours. You kind of devote your myopic focus to your career at the expense of, of the balance in your life. But you're saying that what you learned um, based on Steve Jobs, as well as what you learn and teach now as a coach, is that it's really important to have the balance. Why is that? Well, because if we're just focused on our career and and working so hard and such long hours and letting our self-care go by the wayside, what is giving you energy and like able, like clear mind to make good decisions, the energy to perform at the at your best? What is giving you that, you know, energy to thrive and be at your best if you're not taking care of yourself? So mm -hmm. in order to um, have a high performance performance, you need to take care of yourself. You need to, you know, sleep at least seven to eight hours a day, eat healthily to energize you and, and nourish yourself, exercise. Um, I always encourage a meditation practice, some sort of mindfulness practice to be mindful, clear headed, grounded and centered. 
um, along with having strong relationships and um, and having time for yourself and away from away away from work and really just being able to show up as your best self in all areas of your life, not just work. So you consult with some of the, you know, the, the big um, corporations in our country, and you're talking about mindfulness, which I find fascinating. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about what mindfulness has to do with business? Well, it's funny, when I started my business about almost a decade ago, mindfulness was not as mainstream and people were still not used to um, understanding or experiencing the value that mindfulness practice can bring to to work and to life. Now it's more mainstream in, in that people understand that when you're mindful and put some time aside throughout the day, uh, preferably first thing in the morning, if you can, to really ground yourself and center yourself, you're able to hit the ground running and be more productive and be more like level-headed, clear-minded. I know my mindfulness practice has completely uh, transformed my life in that I'm less reactive. I I see solutions to um, problems much easier. I make better decisions because I'm more mindful of it. It's it's like woken me up out of autopilot. So that also helps in decision-making and, and just uh-huh. work in general. And it also has a whole host of um, benefits for your health and your well-being. And so all of that helps you perform better at work. Yeah. And I think about, you know, examples, for instance, if I'm in a working relationship with somebody and they say something that triggers me and they're, they're, you know, trying to contribute something, but they're triggering me. Um, If I'm aware that I'm getting triggered, then I can kind of detach from that and then hear from more of the observer perspective, what it is they're offering. Um, And so I can imagine that mindfulness is helpful for um, taking positive criticism um, and interacting with business colleagues differently. Absolutely. It, it truly helps like be more, like I said, reactive, right? So rather than reacting to that colleague who's triggering uh-huh. you, you're able to mindfully like take a pause, take a breath and like mm-hmm. respond rather than react in a triggered way because that's counterproductive. Um, you're not going to want it. You're not going to get much resolution if you're reacting rather than responding wisely. Right, right. So what does breath have to do with it? Well, breathing, the part of the pause, breathe, choose method allows you to, when you take a mindful breath, it just feels so good and you relax instantly and you re-engage with the present moment when you're breathing mindfully. I mean, we're breathing all day and night, but most of the time unconsciously, it's just keeping us alive. Right. But when we pause to take a mindful breath, we are no longer thinking about the past or the future or mm-hmm. you know, building more anxiety or stress, we're focused on our breath. So just breathing alone, just the oxygen going to our brain helps mitigate the stress and relaxes you. Uh-huh. And then that breath better equips you to make a mindful choice, a better choice, because you're present. You're not on autopilot. So do you find that when people become more mindful that um, it causes big shifts that they either are welcoming immediately or perhaps they're, um, they're finding themselves having to make choices that they're afraid of? Either way, I find that's a positive because if you want to make a choice, if you're kind of forced or want to make a choice that you're afraid of, that that promotes evolution and growth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, facing those fears is actually to me a positive thing. And Mm -hmm. and so either way, I, I haven't found I haven't I actually have not found a reason not to be mindful or have a mindfulness practice that would not benefit you. But if right. you I welcome anyone who who does because I'm always curious about that. But I, okay. I truly only see benefits to that. 
And, you know, if it's going to bring up things from the past, then great, you're dealing with it, right? Then you can yes. move forward instead of it letting it be bottled inside you. Yeah. And I think that, um, and, and I speak from experience, past experience, that when we become more mindful, then we have to pay attention to what is, what truly is within us, um, whether it's how we feel in a relationship or a job, um, how something isn't satisfying us anymore that will require change. And I think that for many of us, that can be terrifying. Absolutely. I mean, this pandemic alone, having couples be forced to be together 24 seven, I have seen in, with my clients, with friends, family members, I've seen that unfortunately, things that have been able to be pushed to the side or brushed under the rug for years and years because everyone was going about their day and spending the majority of their time at work has now come to surface because you're in close proximity all day, every day. And so you become mindful whether you want to or not, even if you don't have right. a mindfulness practice, it's in your face, it's hard uh -huh. to avoid and it surfaces and then sometimes not for the best and uh -huh. it ends up you know, really people have been realizing waking up to, wow, this relationship needs work or this relationship is no longer serving me. And I've actually, unfortunately had, I mean, maybe not, unfortunately, maybe it's for the best. Everything happens for a reason, but people have been splitting up as a result because people are waking up to realize that they're no longer happy um, mm -hmm. because it's so in their face now. I mean, it's, everything's coming up. So what's the connection between mindfulness and authenticity? Well, when we have a mindfulness practice and when we take mindfulness into our day and carry it with us, we're able to access our authentic self because there's no more like filters. There is no more like autopilot. We are truly accessing our deepest, truest self. And so in my experience, mindfulness is really the key to discovering your authentic self because all that chatter and all that chaos above that we're, is kind of on the surface in our mind uh -huh. quiets down. And then the mind, when you're mindful, your heart and your mind are aligned. And so, and I feel like your, your true self and essence is in your heart. And so then you're able to hear your heart and right. respond to your heart in alignment with your mind they're aligned rather than just living up here in kind of the chaos you drop in to the, your authentic self yeah i love that so you talk a lot about stress and you were talking about it here in this conversation um what are the different types of stress and is all stress bad no absolutely not there is one type of stress there's three types of stress uh, i use an ace acronym a is for acute stress which is a short-term necessary stress which is also often referred to as a fight or flight response it's a necessary short-term stress there is um chronic stress which that is the most terrible stress it's a long-term stress about uh, greater than six months where you feel uh, hopeless and helpless and have unresolved issues and that is continuous and can be really a killer stress and is linked to a lot of um, uh, disease. Mm -hmm. And then the good stress is eustress. And eustress is gives you energy to, you know, thrive in like situations where you're doing, for example, a, um, a competitive challenge or like you're about to go on on stage and speak, for example, and you might uh -huh. be really nervous and but you switch that nerves to excitement and that's like a good stress because you get excited and it's like right. that energy that kind of keeps you going through a, a good challenge or or like, you know, it's short term and it's mm -hmm. it's a positive stress that gives you energy. And I had never heard that word before and, and for our viewers and listeners, it's E U S T R E S S. Right. Um, yeah, I had to look it up in the dictionary, but that makes perfect sense because there are situations where if you, you say, oh, I'm feeling stressed, you, you feel it in your, maybe the, your palms are sweating, you know, and you feel a little tightening in the throat, heart may be racing, and yet it's, you're about to do something really great, you know, go out on a date, get up on stage, you know, whatever it is that has you excited, that feels 
stressful, but it is a positive stress. It is. So with chronic stress, um, what are some of the tools we can use in order to be beyond mindfulness to, to mitigate that? Well, so it's also a lot of stress starts with our mindset. So it's really about our perception of, of like a demand or event. It's not the actual demand or event that's stressful. It's how we perceive it. Right. So that's why I love pause, breathe, choose, because we could choose to kind of toggle between acute stress and use stress, which are the two, you know, positive stresses. Uh-huh than necessary and positive stress and avoid the trap or pit of chronic stress, which really like I mentioned is, you know, a longer term stress over six months. And really how it's ca- characterized is having, feeling um, helpless and hopeless, but, and having unresolved issues. So the way you can mitigate that is to choose to resolve those issues in whatever way that you know you can, rather than being in a disempowered state of just saying, this is my situation, I can't do anything about it. Even if you can't physically do something about it and it is what it is and you, you can't change the situation, you could change your mindset around it so that that killer chronic stress doesn't like, um, intoxicate you, you know, because it's very, so again, it goes back to your perception and mindset. So it's about, you know, acing stress using the ACE method. And Uh that's three, three steps. Acing stress using the ACE method, um, starts with, um, action. Like, well, first it's identifying what type of stress it is. Uh Um, you know, it starts with the awareness of that type of stress between the three steps. Um, and then, then it's, um, ACE is for change, making that change. The C stands for change, uh-huh. changing that mindset from a disempowered mindset to a more empowering mindset. And then the E would stand for taking empowered action to uh-huh. shift either the mindset or your situation or environment, whatever the case is. Right. But you're able to ace stress through awareness, change, and empowerment, empowered action. Yeah, love that, love that. You were talking a minute ago about how toxic chronic stress is. Right. In what way is it toxic? Well, for, for one, the cortisol levels are toxic. The hormone in your body that produces stress is cortisol. And having too much of that could actually um, promote disease uh, in your body. And so the five leading causes of death in the U.S. are linked to chronic stress. So you don't- Wow, the yeah. top five are linked to chronic stress. That's right. Managing stress and building resilience is so critical. And most of my workshops for corporate wellness are all about just that stress management and, and mm-hmm. building. It's it really is a killer, what I call a killer stress. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I know that you teach this within the context of corporations. Um, I can see how it helps the individual, right? Mm-hmm to lead a more balanced life, to be more mindful, to align with authenticity, to reduce stress. How can it help the organization? In so many ways, because well-being and success are intricately connected. So well-being drives success. And if I had a one-liner to say, what Steve taught me is that, is that well-being drives success. He embodied it, he proved it. I mean, he was evident of that. Uh-huh. And so when employees are happy and healthy, they are more engaged and motivated. They naturally mm-hmm. have um, greater job satisfaction and a sense of purpose and intrinsic motivation, which drives high performance. And on the flip side, the pl- employer benefits um, because they, they um, benefit from improved productivity mm-hmm. and employee engagement and employee well-being, which in turn helps with company culture, making it a stronger company culture and community. So it's really a win-win for the employee and the employer. That makes sense. We're going to go to a quick break, but stay tuned for more folks with Naz Beheshti.
Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Are you feeling the complexity of life? Do you feel that urge to step into something greater? Tune in to Nailed It Radio. Find your simplicity within your complexity with me, life coach, Carrie Nail. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com to discover what it means to use your full power to be the best version of yourself. Imagine stepping into the energy of saying yes to yourself and knowing you nailed it. For more information about me, visit CarrieNail.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. As a former research statistician, my scientific background is what many would call sensible. For more than a decade now, I have been working in the field of energy medicine, facilitating sessions and teaching around the world. People from the mainstream often ask me, how did a sensible woman like you end up working in such an alternative field? Implicit in their question is the underlying assumption that the field of subtle energy, such as energy healing and intuition, isn't sensible. But I believe it is very sensible. Even scientists are able to measure aspects of this. Approaching life from an energetic perspective brings us new opportunity for healing and transformation. And from a practical standpoint, even if you can't rationally explain how something works, if you experience a shift from it, then doesn't it make it pretty sensible? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on 1150 AM KKNW, TransformationTalkRadio.com, and Facebook Live, folks. You can find us over on my professional page. Okay, I'm talking to Naz Beheshti, and she's the author of Pause, Breathe, Choose, Become the CEO of Your Well-Being. And as I know that we have plenty of listeners who um, aren't thrilled with their current jobs or they're happy enough with their job or their career, but they feel like there's this inner yearning, this, this, this calling of their soul that is inviting them to, to move in a different direction. What kind of advice do you have for people who are thinking about changing careers? Well, for the people who are unhappy and don't know where they want to go next. I highly encourage you to take explorative action. And what that means is stepping outside of your comfort zone, the place that you live without fear, stepping outside of it. I know it's a little bit scary, but that's where most growth and and knowledge appears, right? Wisdom, you learn more about yourself and your authentic self and what you, you know, want and what your purpose is so taking explorative action would be one way to learn and this could be anything from you know um learning something new um finding like a new hobby or learning a new language or you know um taking a a path less traveled like if you go on regular walks and and you follow a certain path and um, go a different route. You never know what you're going to run into or who you're going to run into. Just and, and, and Joe Dispenza, 
Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about how if you do things differently than your normal routine, it creates new neural pathways in the brain, which of course can have its effect on not only how you perceive the world, but what it is you manifest from the world. Exactly. And, and also sometimes we just get too comfortable in our regular routines and yeah. that can become stagnant, right? And so we want new experiences, especially if we want to change our, our jobs or our career path. Like this is a good way to kind of um, test the waters and just start small by trying new small things out that is different instead of like changing everything all at once. Right. Um, and, and for the people who know the direction they want to go and they just are comfortable, I was there. I, I was working in a pharmaceutical company, cush job, great benefits, great pay. They called it the golden handcuffs. Like I was, I was handcuffed and, and right. you know, but I was, I was unfulfilled. It was great in the beginning, but then I was unfulfilled. Um, I wanted to pursue then my passion and purpose. And it was scary to just like leave something so comfortable to start something from scratch on my own, right. not knowing how it's going to go. But I would say, feel the fear and do it anyway. Feel wow. the fear and do it anyway. Because I did. I, I felt the fear. It was not easy. I'm not going to lie and say, just do it and it'll be great. No, it's, it is scary. But would you rather be in a position that is not fulfilling and not meaningful or be a little bit scared, jump over that, you know, hoop, like just get over that fear and get to the other side where the opportunity and potential of being more fulfilled is, is waiting right there for you. You know, I think that all on some level, I think people crave change. I think that most people delude themselves into thinking that they want things to stay the same because that's comfortable. What are the indications that what we view as comfort is really stagnation? When there isn't any more joy and meaning mm. in your actions and in right. your experiences, that would be a very good indicator. If it becomes mm. dull and you're bored and you don't find yourself smiling or laughing or have this like energy and engagement in you? Like, are you engaged in your daily to-dos and work? Right. Or are you disengaged? Are you happy, you know? Um, but comfort does bring a sense of happiness to some people because they're scared to go outside of that, right? Because they don't know what's on yeah. the other side. I mean, this is right. why the pandemic has been so stressful because people don't know what's on the other side or how it's gonna, what's gonna, happen to to them their their family their loved ones um their finances everything yeah. the world economy um so the thing is that you just got you you just have to take the chance and weigh out your options what's better like mm -hmm. here where you're not so happy or the potential to be happy and there's no and one thing i i do want to Office is like there's no guarantee that the grass is always greener on the other side. Right. However, however, will you feel at the end, you know, later, will you have regrets for not trying? And just because the grass is not greener on the other side doesn't mean you can't find another route. Like maybe that's not the the right path, but maybe uh -huh. that will lead you to the right path. So in just in my professional experience, my route was pretty messy and like all over the place. I didn't go just like from Steve Jobs to my passion and purpose. No, I worked in many companies for a decade and learned so much in each stop. And uh -huh. in hindsight, when I look back and connect the dots, all of it served a purpose and mm. it helped me get to where I am. So maybe that next stop, even though it's not your final destination or purpose, is going to help you get to, to where you want to be. I think that um, we, all, we will get information regardless of whether the choice we make lead us to what we really want or not. Um, so it's, it's almost like you never get that information or the, have the potential for that expansion and joy if you don't take the opportunity, I, I, I'm always saying that it's the missed opportunities that we end up regretting. Exactly. Exactly. And that is the exact reason why I left my job because I did not want to regret not trying to start my own business 
and pursue my passion and purpose because uh-huh. I was too comfortable or I was scared to, to do it, to try. Uh, that would have been my biggest regret and I'd rather not have regrets. Okay, so you're, you're doing this coaching, you're teaching workshops. What inspired you to write the book? Well, so for so long, I had clients always asking me if I had a book or that they wanted my tools and strategies in a book format so that they can, you know, look at something and have something in between our sessions. I never did. I never thought I'd be a writer. I just didn't have time. But one night, I remember so vividly on February 14, 2014, Steve Jobs appeared in my dream. This is after he'd passed away, right? Yes, this yes. was a few years after he had passed away. And I I am known for having vivid dreams. I experience, I, I'm a vivid dreamer. But in my dreams, I never see faces of people. I know who they are, but I don't see their face vividly. Like I can remember it vividly. However, only in my entire life that I could remember, I've only seen faces three times in my dreams. And they were of people very dear to me that had recently passed away. And Steve um, was one of them. So one was my grandfather, who I was very close with, and he had passed. And then my mom's best friend, who I pretty much we grew up with. So those were the two before Steve that had showed up. And I could see their face very vividly. So Steve told me very like directly and clearly in my dream that I have to write a book. And I was just shocked to see him out of nowhere. <laughs> like it just yes. so randomly. And here, here he is, his face in my dream, saying that I should write a book about how my first job working for him really impacted my life and my career. And so the next day, I just, I couldn't believe it, how I remembered everything so vividly. And I uh-huh. just, his prophetic words, and I started to write immediately after that That's dream. great. I love that. I love that. So he mentored you, you know, once upon a time and he, he continued to ment- mentor you after he passed away. Perfect. <laughs> big inspiration. And then all even the lessons learned, right? When I look back in hindsight about how he, you know, um, he prioritized his well-being, how he was just so, you know, passionate about his work and he thought outside the box. Like, I love that campaign right. outside the box. I mean, I'm always trying to do that myself. And that's what I did when I, when I started Pranana's because corporate wellness companies were not, you know, common back in 2010, 11, you mm-hmm. know, so I really started, uh, I created my own business in a very nascent market. And that, that to me was like very courageous and creative because people were, you know, advising me otherwise, like you're leaving the corporate world, you have a great job with great benefits and this and that, do what? Like, you don't know if that's gonna work. And I said, but I'd rather try than be unfulfilled doing something with a great paycheck that's, you know, not gonna fulfill like my soul. I I wanna serve people in a different way. So I did it and I really felt like Steve was, you know, he was a big influence, uh, whether he was there like physically, but he embodied that. And when I worked for him and I got to see it up close and personally, so I tried to keep that with me. And I did when I started Pananaz. I have to mention that, um, I'm, I'm doing this zoom Facebook live radio show from my iPhone. (laughs) And, uh, I, I think about how much phones have shifted over the last 15 years, 20 years, um, it's amazing what phones can do now. It's absolutely amazing. And I, I know that he had a lot of wonderful people working for him and with him on these things, these projects. What was it about how he approached his job that allowed something to, um, you know, something so creative and, and so groundbreaking to get created? I really have to say that his attention to detail and his well-being and his vision was all, you know, together, the combination of those. Because again, you know, he meditated daily. Meditation clears your mind and allows creativity. I mean, he was a genius already and creative and 
innovative, but that his meditation practice, I I'm sure helped that. You know, he had time for himself. He had you know healthy relationships with his family, like strong relationships, like all he really uh, approached his well-being holistically. So he and he was very laser focused at work. So and he loved what he did, right? So. Uh -huh. Loving what you do, as he says, allows you to do great work. So all of that combined, he wasn't one of those. I mean, I work with a lot of uh, executives who just like care. They just care about their work and working really long hours and using um, their lack of sleep as a badge of honor. I only need four right. or five hours of sleep, this and that. But, you know, imagine if they did get more sleep. Imagine if they meditated. Imagine if they took time to exercise a few times a week and do other things for their well-being, connect with their loved ones. Imagine what more they could do. I think Steve had cracked the code back then when meditation wasn't, a, you know, common and, you know, self-care and corporate wellness, but those weren't like common terms you heard back then, but he knew that taking care of himself would make him a better leader and, and innovative. So one of the things you talk about in your book is the importance of play. Why is that? That's something I learned also from Steve. He played at work with his prototypes. Uh, he loved, you know, again, loving what you do is um, really helps be carefree and creative and have fun while you're doing it. So then more solutions and things you would not normally see um, are able to flourish, right? It, it promotes that creativity. And uh -huh. Playing is, I mean, for the most part, just fun, right? We want to have fun. Sure. But not everybody does have fun with play. They they are so stuck on work, work, work. Let, I need to be productive. I don't have time for play. And so in my book and in my practice, I say to allocate play and recovery time. Play is another type of recovery, but more active, right? You're uh -huh. having fun recovery is more sleep and resting and you know relaxing but play is another type where we are so focused and our tension and focus is so um, structured at work mm -hmm. or doing other things when it's tied to an outcome of a specific goal but when we play or when we're recovering we're just being our true authentic self and in the moment and there's no attachment to a specific outcome that's a goal we're playing to yes. have fun you know, I've always found it fascinating that whenever I go on vacation, um, something shifts in my business. Maybe suddenly I manifest something that I didn't expect, or I'll get an insight that will shift the direction I'm going in one way or another. Um, and I remember my previous assistant, she said, you should go on vacation more often. <laughs> exactly. We should, we all should. It's so, yeah, we should. For that reason, you come back rejuvenated, you know, energized. Uh -huh. If we're not taking that time to rejuvenate, I mean, just sleeping every night is a way to reboot every cell in your body, your brain, your uh -huh. mind, and your mind and your body, uh -huh. so that you can wake up with a kind of a clean slate, hit the ground running, have the energy to do so. But when people are saying, oh, I only need four or five hours of sleep and not fully recovering every night, it starts taking a toll on your body. Now, I know some people like just they, they literally need less sleep. But when mm -hmm. those people who need a bit more sleep, but they're running on less sleep, are trying to function long term, they're gonna they're gonna hit burnout. I mean, I've seen it all the time. I've had clients who pass out from adrenal fatigue in the middle of meetings and have to be rushed. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And you know, in Japan, there's a word for it called kuroshi, which is death by overwork. They have coined a term that's mm. really horrific in my mind. That it's, it's very there's sad. A word for death by overwork. That's how common it is in in Japan. Yeah, yeah. I worked over there for a month, and it was it was very fascinating to interact with people from that culture. That they're just so into perfectionism. Um, for instance, people like I would have clients who would say, 
you know, they, they don't speak any English and then they'd have an experience and they were really excited about, and then they start speaking English because they were so excited. They wanted to communicate it to, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, they speak English really well. And yet they didn't feel comfortable. Um, if, if they didn't have that experience, they wouldn't have um, spoken to me in English because they were so concerned about getting it wrong. Yeah, they have that filter inhibitions up, right? When they yeah. are so excited, they just want to share. That's their authentic self coming out. Like, yeah. I don't care what I sound like. I'm so happy right now. I just want to share, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, what is prana nas? Well, prana, Besides a combination of prana and nas. Yeah. Well, prana is one of my favorite words that I learned in yoga, which is mm -hmm. Sanskrit for uh, vital life and also breath and energy vital energy breath and so to me that is everything you know when prana runs through all of us and it is really about um helps you thrive like without prana you're dead right without your breath without the vital energy and so it flows through every person and being however that prana can get blocked by you know insecurities, fears, stress, fatigue, all of that. So, so when we keep our prana flowing freely, we're taking care of ourselves, uh, we're able to show up energized and engaged and, and, and healthy in every aspect of our life. So prana to me is life. I mean, it is okay. life force. And Nas is my name. So yes. finding those two, first of all, um, you know, I try to embody prana and uh, you mm -hmm. know, flowing prana. And I just think that optimizing your prana is so important in terms mm -hmm. of living your best life and showing up as your best. Right. And I call that vibrant living. And I, I from an energetic perspective, I see that as having plenty of light flowing through, freely through the body and through the energy fields um, so that you're open to all of life, that you're good at manifesting, you're, in, you're open to the flow. It's, and when somebody says, oh, that person's so full of light, on some level, they truly are. That vibrancy, that that prana is very evident. Um, you just, you, you know it when you see it or feel it, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. full of light and light. So before we go any further, I wanna make sure our listeners and viewers know how they can connect with you and what it is you offer. You can connect with me through my corporate wellness site, prananaz.com, P-R-A-N-A-N-A-Z.com for corporate wellness programs and uh, executive coaching. And also my personal uh, website where you can find my book is nazbeheshti.com, N-A-Z-B-E-H-E-S-H-T-I.com. And my book is available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all the major retailers. And I'm um, also on social media on all the major social media sites as nazbeheshti and also Naz Beheshti speaker on Facebook. Yeah, and Naz Beheshti is, you know, it is a little complicated to spell, but there's only going to be one of you out there. <laughs> Actually more Nazes than I thought, but yes, Naz Beheshti is, I think there's just one as of now. There is one other that's spelled a little bit differently. Uh, my full name is Nazanin. And there is a Nazanin Beheshti who actually I know who's on also Facebook. So Oh my goodness. Also not related. So it's interesting. Oh, that's that's really interesting. <laughs> so if we're going to be living fully with plenty of prana, what are some of the things we should do on a daily basis in order to, to achieve that? Well, first I would say to do what you love to do, whatever that means for you. But exercising movement is really important to, you know, get your endorphins going. And like um, when you're in a state of any type of state that you don't want to be, the easiest way to shift that state is to move your body. Even if it's not like a full exercise routine or, or like right. hours, just a few minutes of movement would just do wonders. So moving uh, your body, I highly, highly recommend a mindfulness practice, whatever you know, type of meditation or a walking you know, mindfulness practice. Some people enjoy running, any type of mindfulness practice that um, makes you present and you're just really focused on the 
moment, whether it's your breath, your movement, a thought, a mantra. Right. And then um, I also would encourage um, you to do mindful self-check-ins, which I love to do, which is just periodically through the day, check in with yourself and just ask yourself a bunch of rapid fire questions like, am I breathing? Am I thirsty? Am I, I keep this big glass of water by my, on my desk. I'm always uh -huh. drinking water. How my, how's my posture? Am I hunched over? Am I sitting up straight? Mm -hmm. You know, um, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And just like checking in to all your senses so that you're fully aware of your state, your current state, and then your subjective state allows you to then move forward and make a better choice if you want, or just mm -hmm. makes you aware of, of how you are and, and you could track that throughout the day. Um, um, I've, I've got a friend who's got an app that sort of goes off randomly every hour that she takes as a cue to, to breathe deeply. So, you know, there, there are ways that we can play with our technology in order to remind us to do these things. Yeah, there's an app, there's an um, Apple or watch that tells you to like get up and move, you know, there's uh -huh. so many notifications you can get to do that. And I highly encourage that because if not, mm -hmm. you can get stuck kind of in, in whatever you're doing and so much time can go by, you're not even aware of your breath, if you're thirsty, if you're hungry, anything. Right. Because you're so focused on the task at hand. And then lastly, I mean, there's so many, I have over 80 in my book, but I'm just picking out the things that I do every day is have a morning routine. So um, have some time if you can first thing in the morning for yourself to do whatever that is that makes you happy and, and, and feel good. And so for me, I use the RPM method, which is rise, pee, meditate, <laughs> followed by movement. So I do that every single day and I just feel amazing because no matter what happens after that in the day, uh, good, bad, whatever it is, I feel good mm -hmm. that I started my day the way I wanted to instead of right. just reacting to my emails and having my calendar kind of run me, I run my day. I take charge mm -hmm. of my day. Do you have one, like a one minute final message for our viewers and listeners today? It would be really to pause, take a deep breath, and choose something that makes you really happy that you want to do that you haven't been doing because you haven't had time or you just haven't gotten to it and start doing that and put it in your calendar, block off the time and start with one small thing that you want to incorporate that is for your own self-care and commit to that one thing daily or every other day whatever works for your schedule but just do it that is the first step is to pause breathe choose that one thing and then from mm -hmm. there you can build and there's over 80 in my book that you can choose from and yeah. and really just take charge of your life and promote yourself to become a ceo of your well-being that's great Naz. i want to thank you for sharing your message here today and and um for inspiring our listeners and viewers. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, and I wanna thank all of our listeners and viewers for joining us here today. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.